The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. James, we are going to be continuing on with your ranking dilemmas series. Your farm futures still getting out there every week, still really good stuff. And uh, this one in the hopper probably will be live on the site by the time you're listening to this. Uh, before we get into that, though, James, I wanted to talk a little bit about The Last Dance, the first two episodes. This isn't baseball show, but... I'm going to talk a little hoops and the last dance because I was, I expected it to be great and it was, wasn't, I wouldn't say it exceeded my expectations, but it was fantastic. And for a guy I've said I've, I'm trapped in the 90s, that's a uh, dangerous, you know, storm brewing. Um, the nostalgia turned up to the max. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, um, I was surprised that you were the one that suggested we talk about the last dance because I'm I'm usually the the NBA guy yeah. out of the two of us and uh, it was your idea. Um, I obviously watched it. I I mean it's like the rare type of sporting 
event thing where I can actually get my wife to watch it. So uh, that was awesome uh, that I didn't have to watch it by myself when she's at work or something like that. Um, yeah, it was. It's got that it universal great, yeah. appeal. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. MJ. MJ definitely was not like he transcended sports fan, non-sports fan, like men, women, like everyone was kind of captivated by his amazingness. And, uh, I thought it was just cooler uh, back then. There's nobody. No, no, no. In the world. Like he wasn't just the biggest sports star. No, he wasn't just the coolest sports figure. He was the coolest, biggest star period in the entire world. As Oprah said on that clip uh, (laughs) from that show, I, I really had a good time watching it again. And for somebody who's, Got nostalgia for that period anyway. Just remembering that those Bulls teams and just that era. Um, Jordan, you know, wearing his Kangol hat. Um, just really cool to see. And I, there's some things that I didn't know really about that time because it was it preceded, you know, my being uh, you know conscious and realizing what was going on. But like that second season he had where he broke his foot. Came back was on that seven minute per half restriction, but then they cut him loose in the playoffs against the one seed Boston Celtics. And we talk about hip hop on this show. The soundtrack on the Last Dance has been off the charts. Great, uh, I ain't no joke by Eric B and Rakim. And whatever song I forget, it was I think it was like a Run DMC song. Whatever song was playing during his like sixty four point mm-hmm. performance against the Celtics in Game Two, that that montage was just brilliant yeah it was uh it's a really well put together documentary uh there was a lot of just stuff that happened back then that would not have happened today and it's uh kind of makes you like long for the like simpler times when like a a healthy athlete on his way back would be allowed to play instead of his like if that had happened today like there's no way he would have been allowed to play yeah not at all. uh like, and they would have shut him down completely. They would have tried to get in that draft lottery. Uh, there's no way in hell that any good basketball player, let alone the best basketball player in the world, would have uh, stayed with the Bulls if he hated his GM as much as Jordan hated Kraus. Kraus. Yeah, I mean, that. there's just a lot of stuff that is kind of completely flipped. I mean, Jerry Kraus probably would have been fired before they even won uh, their first championship, if that had happened today, because yeah, Jordan had just been like him or me, you know? Yeah, the second things started to go sour with that relationship, Kraus would have been gone. He did a really good job building that team, but it's amazing to see how bad that relationship was. Like, them just openly mocking him. Well, he just had that, he had that, like, that, like, little, little man, man syndrome where he, he was obviously very good at, evaluating talent but he wanted to get the bulk of the credit like he wanted he basically wanted as much credit as like mj was getting you know for the success and he wanted as much credit as phil was getting and he just couldn't sit by and be satisfied knowing that he built one of the best teams ever i mean you're always going to go down to the legend in history if that's what you did but then he just kind of like couldn't get out of his own way you know yeah, that's so true. It's crazy. He organizations win championships, not players. That kind of stuff. Like it did seem like he was sending a clear message, and that relationship 
Uh, and him just saying, you know, this is going to be Phil's last year, like putting his foot down. Ownership had to step in to even get that final season together. Uh, pretty insane how egos get in the way of things. And, you know, Scotty Pippen, too, I think if this were today's era, you know, that holdout thing that he was doing, that would have come like five years prior. <laughs> you know, there's yeah, yeah. like, all right, you just got to sit out. They're going to pay. They're going to bend and they'll pay you after like that second ring or something. Right, right. Yeah, but any other thoughts? I mean, I just, I was kind of uh, shocked. And I guess the Rodman one is coming up. Uh, looking forward to hearing the story about when he once left Bulls practice or he missed a Bulls practice to attend WCW Monday Nitro. <laughs> I mean, that, is, that, is that not a valid excuse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're a certified member of the NWO um, and you're running alongside Hollywood Hulk Hogan, you can... You can do what you want as the worm. But, James, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing on watching that. Jordan, just so silky smooth. And I know he gets a lot of flack for his style choices from, like, the 90s, early 2000s. The guy's got a lot of swag still, even in his age, sitting there with that that drink, some slowly dwindling. Um Guy's still He's like, I, I agree. I mean, that's that's how I would roll too. Like, I'll I'll sit down and do these interviews, but I'm going to be drinking. Them. <laughs> yeah. Just the hard stuff. Just a <laughs> glass of the hard stuff. By the way, real quick, do you think Jordan's mentality toward tanking really hurt him as an owner? Because I'm thinking about that in today's era too. Like his his hatred towards tanking, even in like the you know '85, he was so outspoken against it. Do you think that hurt him in building a, a franchise? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, unquestionably. Uh, he's not many people like are invested enough in like the Hornets doing well that they're going to just go out of their way to point out how bad of a owner he's been. But I mean, he, he's probably been one of the worst owners in pro sports. Not, I mean, he hasn't done the type of like off field nonsense that some like NFL owners have done, but he's. Uh, just in terms of putting a winner on the field, his ownership style has just been, you know, the opposite of his playing style. He just uh, is yeah, it was talent such evaluation, a right? Was talent evaluation really, really bad. Which is uh, something that I think most great players are bad at. Uh, most great players aren't good. At, like even LeBron James, like he's terrible at deciding who his teammates should be, and uh, like I mean Michael Jordan terrible in the draft and uh you know his inability to suck it up and tank i mean if you're a bad team in the nba like the only way to get better is through the draft but if you're only picking like eighth or ninth every year instead of in the top three top five then it's tough to to get those blue chip players so yeah he's been a really bad owner it's crazy because i you know in that 85 86 season i think it was when he came back and he was just so like against tanking for a better pick and it was it's just kind of crazy to see that and then what knowing what happened with his future and how poorly things went with trying to build a winning team um it's kind of funny and how, how much things have changed with that aspect toward you know the kind of the general public thought toward tanking uh so people seem more accepting generally of it uh his comment though about the cubs rebuilding for 42 years was, was great um well, we'll move on to the baseball portion of the show and your Farm Futures article, which is uh, should be up live by the time you're listening to this. Continuing on with the Ranking Dilemmas series, and it seems like there are not quite as many movers 
um, in this range. Still some significant movers. Probably the biggest one being Hedbert Perez, who was not ranked at the end of last season, now up to 109. What's behind that increase in his uh, prospect ranking? Well, he was not a big name signing uh, on July 2 at the time. Uh, you know, as we've touched on before with guys like Maximo Acosta, all we really have to go on when these guys sign on July 2 is like the scouting reports from when they were 15, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes scouting reports from when they were like 14, 15. Um, and Hedbert Perez, like we didn't even, we could, I couldn't even find a date of birth to put him into the database until uh, about three months ago. Um, but he, is one of the best players from that class now, once they started playing in games uh, this past fall. And he has that kind of five category upside that we're always chasing. He could be, I think right now is his best tool is probably his hit tool, but he projects to develop, you know, at least above average power, at least plus speed should add value with his glove and center field. So uh, not as big a name as guys like Eric Pena and Maximo Costa, among those guys that, that follow Jason Dominguez from, from last year's day two class, but he's one of the better guys uh, in that sort of second group and um, really tough to sort of find flaws in the scouting report right now. We'll see how it translates in, in game action, but he could, he could be a, a top 20 prospect at some point in the next couple of years. So guy whose stock is really taken off there, Hedbert Perez. One the guy who's kind of going in the other direction, not quite as dramatic, still one spot ahead of Perez in the overall. But Jake Fraley, he's been sliding uh, since the end of last season. Was that mostly because he kind of, at the end of last year, projected a full-time role, whereas now you kind of see Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, and think um, yeah, maybe Fraley's already been surpassed? Um. Yeah, kind of that. Uh, he obviously didn't show well in the big leagues in that that tiny cup of coffee, uh, and the end of year ranking was probably more reflective of kind of where I had him uh, when he was raking at Double A, and then uh, obviously adjusted that uh, when I did his outlook for the magazine. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the closer Kalanick and Rodriguez get to the big leagues, the less amount of time Fraley has to establish himself. Uh, I still like him um, doing an AL-only auction tonight uh, as part of uh, that triple crown that DVR put together. I'd, I'd happily end up with Fraley in that format. I would have happily ended up with him as like my sixth outfielder in a mixed league. Uh but yeah, I mean the the window is is narrow for him to really establish himself. I, I still think I, I, I buy the. I mean, I I got him at 108 now. I'm guessing that's higher than you'll see him probably anywhere else. Um, so I, I still like him. I think more than than most people. But um, yeah, he's going to have to to really uh, make an impact and and show show what he's got when play resumes. Yeah, he's going to have a short window to really kind of establish himself and carve out a big role because those two youngsters, I mean, they look like top top dogs maybe in, in baseball down the road. And so, yeah, that could 
could put Fraley on the outside looking in. Um, we shall see. Uh, James, wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, Nolan Gorman, by the way, jumping back up to the top of this list. He's been falling a little bit. I just wanted to see if there was any real reason or was it mostly just kind of other guys jumping up. I mean, it's it's about a 40-point drop since the end of last season. Not too dramatic, but anything behind that fall? Well, I, I've always been kind of lower on him than most people, and so the more like the more off season I've had to work with, the more comfortable I am just kind of putting him where I want to put him. You know, um, there's definitely guys that have forced their way past him, but he's just given the the hit tool concerns and how far he is from the majors. I'm pretty comfortable having him where I have him right now. And Dalton Varsho right behind him, a guy you caution could be too low on. Is it mostly, you know, you see the speed, but you don't think he's going to stick behind the plate? Uh, well, I, I said um, I'll, this ranking will be wrong if he maintains catcher eligibility and is getting 400-plus plate appearances per season. Uh, so that's that's definitely the scenario where I'm a little too low is if he, if he gets sort of that majority of the starts or just – not necessarily the majority of starts at catcher, but I mean, if, if he's at least getting starts in left field when he's sometimes when he's not catching uh, and he maintains that catch eligibility, then I'll be too low. But I just, I think it's a mistake to assume those two things will happen. But uh, if there's, if there's like one position where I'm okay being too low on a guy, it's, it's definitely catcher. Like I, I don't, I'd rather be too low on a catcher than, than too aggressive on a, on a catching prospect. Um, and the fact that, you know, I, I don't think Varsho certainly this year, I, I don't, even if the, even if the Diamondbacks decide the best thing for his development is to, to be playing against big leaguers, I don't think he would be playing all that regularly, just given how much better of a defender Carson Kelly is. The one thing working in Varsho's favor there is that he does bat left-handed and, and Kelly struggles against righties. But I just think the the gap between Kelly and Varsho defensively probably eliminates the idea of a, a strict platoon there. So I think it at best it could be it could be like an Austin Hedges, Francisco Mejia type of thing where they're basically getting kind of an even split there. Um, so I think it would be very beneficial to Varsho if he's at least able to get some starts at a position besides catcher. Nice. So you don't really see a his defense necessitating a move out from behind the plate necessarily, but you just don't see him being the primary guy, more of a kind of like backup slash utility for the foreseeable future. At least as long as he's in Arizona. Yeah. I don't see his defense being good enough for him to just be a classic starting catcher. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's other ways where he could get starting catcher level plate appearances, but um, I mean, Carson Kelly's, a really good player. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not going to just move Carson Kelly into a backup catcher role. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a complicated situation for sure. Yeah, it does run a little bit, but that's, yeah, that's kind of tough. Uh, moving back down the list, I did jump back up, but then uh, we'll move back down. Shane Boz, uh, impressed in the fall league, he bumped up a little bit, but then he's slipped. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are high on Boz, but you've mentioned that, uh, you're just not fully sold on him being a, a polished finished product. Yeah, I actually bumped him down after the fall league, which is uh, 
if, oh, <laughs> like nice. if you saw some of the some of the gifts of Boz and like the Fall Stars game. Yeah, it was like was, the talk of the whole fall league right. for a little while. Uh, but I just I kind of saw a guy that could really just move so fast as a reliever, could really dominate as a multi-inning guy, just fastball slider, go to work. And I mean, he could just be such a lethal weapon in that role. I think in most organizations, they would really just give him every chance to fail as a starter before making that switch. But I think the Rays are deep enough that, and they're, and they're, I mean, they're not only are they deep, but they're about as free thinking as it gets with pitcher usage. So uh, that's that's why he's where he is. But I caution that I might be too low on him because he does have that really type of special upside if, it, if his changeup comes around and if his command improves. But yeah, he's he's got more to work on than the high upside, far away pitchers that are ranked ahead of him, I would say. Nice. Well, sorry to yeah put you know put words in your mouth and assume things. Uh, I guess I was just caught up in that hype after the fall league, assuming you bumped him up a little bit. But yeah, you saw that there could be a quicker path in the bullpen, maybe it's immediate help for that team, which, as we've talked about countless times, a World Series contender uh, this year and for many years to come. So um, yeah, he's kind of another guy. I mean, kind of. I mean. I'd say in a similar boat to Fraley, obviously on different sides of the spectrum, but just a guy who won't have much of a leash to prove himself in a really fantasy friendly role, essentially. Yeah, once once guys get onto the forty man roster, it becomes you know, the clock really starts to tick in terms of are you a starter or a reliever? And so they'll they'll probably have to I don't I don't see I mean, they're not gonna just fast track him this year or next year. But once he's added to that forty man, uh, like he he'll probably have about a season there where he can keep trying to make it work as a starter. But he's just he has such a high ceiling as a reliever. Like he could be like he could be the best reliever in baseball. That I just I think that as long as soon as he's on that forty man, they might be tempted to to make the switch. Unrelated, but I shaved yet the other day for the first time in like a couple of years. And I'm kind of looking like Jerry Krause, James. <laughs> now, that's not the worst thing, bless his soul. Um, but I'm a little young for that. I got some work to do. Uh, just throwing that out there. More DDPY in the uh, in the offing for me. I, I think you're. I think you're doing more yoga than Krause ever did. Yeah, I just I'm looking like him in the face a little bit. Uh, Khalil Lee's been a faller for you, more than fifty spots. Um, I think I use. I think I have a couple dynasty shares of him, but at this point, it's it's like a hold. But you're losing enthusiasm when it comes to Khalil Lee. Yeah, that was basically just a drop after I did his outlook, uh, and kind of realized just how far he has to go with uh, a swing change, like he his. Like he was rocking ground ball rates around like sixty percent last year, and the the tools are there. Like like he in like batting practice, he will show uh, plus raw power, and he's not a he's not like a true burner, but he's just really really good at stealing bases. So you know, really toolsy guy, really athletic. Uh, you know, very very promising 
skill set except that that swing he just hasn't been able to get to that power in games because he just hits everything on the ground i know that they were saying he was making improvements in that regard in camp uh but you know he he got outperformed i think by kyle isbell another uh promising outfielder that's it's fairly close to the majors in the royals system um yeah so it's just when when you know a guy needs to change his swing to really be more than kind of a a, I mean, I guess he could be sort of a high OBP stolen base guy that doesn't hit for a ton of power as is. And on the Royals, that, that still probably would get him into the lineup, at least in the, the short term. But he uh, he has to find a way to get to that power in games. Losing steam a little bit on your top 400 prospect list. By the way, you could, of course, check out James's full list for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. You also have some separate sets of dynasty rankings, kind of a supplement to Ian Kahn's uh, overall dynasty rankings coming relatively soon. I mean, you're putting in a lot of time and no set date for those, but you are working on them. Yeah. And I've on it. I, the, over the past, since we last spoke, I think I've actually put more work in on this, uh, a cool new feature that we're going to debut sort of on the amateur side of things. Uh, it might be a week, it might be a couple weeks, but we're going to have a board, like kind of a, a tool up on the site where it's going to be sort of my board of all amateur players that would have signed this year, either via the draft or, or J2. So it's it's a, a comprehensive set of rankings that includes both the international guys and the draft eligible guys. And then I'll be sort of providing kind of a, a quick... Uh, summary of, of what they bring to the table for fantasy and so that that's something like I, I feel I get asked more and more uh, just about like you know who would you take out of these draft eligible guys or these top J2 guys and, and hopefully just a full set of rankings on those will be of use to people that play in leagues where you can roster uh, amateur players I, I recently joined a league like that uh, Devils Rejects uh, that I that Ian's in. Um, I co-own that team with Eno Saris, and it's been a lot of fun. Like you, you're able to add any player with a pulse in that league, so you can add foreign players. You can add uh, draft eligible guys, and I know there's a lot of formats like that uh, that's getting more popularity in the dynasty community where you you can just add anyone at any time. Um, and usually I don't have time to get this deep in on the draft, uh, especially this time of year. Usually it's just full full steam on uh, big league coverage and mm-hmm. prospect coverage. But with this downtime, I've been able to really dig in on the amateur side, and, and it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. I look forward to seeing that new feature to the site. What What do you think is going to happen with the draft this year? Is that uh... – fewer like 10 rounds eight rounds gonna happen at all what, what are your thoughts at least just gut feelings uh i think it. <laughs> i think it probably has to happen at some point um but yeah i mean we, we it's definitely I, I don't expect it to necessarily happen when it usually happens in the calendar um yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a moving target. We don't even know. Uh, like, I think the the focus of 
MLB is is to get games going again on the pro side because there's there's just a lot of money at stake. And then so this is kind of taking a back seat. I think once they figure out when they can start games, then they'll probably turn to like when can we do the draft. There's just there's so much for teams to be focused on right now. Like, I mean, it's just it's a lot for any front office to handle with preparing for the draft, preparing for all these logistical inconveniences that are going to come from all this. So um, I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, it's kind of an afterthought. The, the, the shortening of the the draft, like uh, from a rounds standpoint, it it sucks, but it doesn't really have an impact for, for dynasty leagues. I mean, all the, I mean, oh, actually that, that's not true. It, the, the impact will be that there are going to be more, uh, two smart guys than ever who probably won't sign because, um, teams just aren't going to have money to give a guy like in the, in the middle rounds, like, a. uh, 125k bonus or something like that to buy them out of a, a football scholarship mm-hmm. um so there'll be fewer two sport guys probably than ever but um they're just there haven't been that many of those guys in recent drafts in the first place so it's probably only going to affect a handful of guys sure yeah and understandably on the back burner for major league baseball right now but looking forward to seeing how that happens and i'm interested to see how the nfl draft goes just kind of as a precursor just to see how that technology works if it's feasible um to do that in other sports in in the short term speaking of the draft though james getting back to your article a guy who was not a high draft pick at all actually was the 15th round pick in 2017 ricky venasco uh really wasn't you know making much noise at the rookie levels had a 438 era in 2018 then just took off last year um was actually, you know, brilliant. One eight one ERA in eleven starts. Not a huge sample, but um, K's were off the charts. Walks still an issue, but uh, what changed and what has propelled Ricky Venasco up the rankings? Well, when we talk about projectable high school arms, uh, Venasco is kind of the the prototype. Uh, when they drafted him. Uh, that was a really good pick by them, but they they were betting on more velo coming because he has one of those those frames you love, like six three, six four, buck eighty five, that type of thing. Uh, and last year he was he was up in the upper nineties to to close the season, so that the velocity they were betting on coming did come, and he's got a a plus breaking ball to go with it. Needs to work on his command, obviously. Uh, Changeup is a big priority for him to develop, but um, just a guy that I've been getting rave reviews on. I don't know, I don't know why other people aren't getting the same reviews I've been getting, but uh, I mean, he's the real deal. I, 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 I think I have him in pretty much every dynasty league at this point because just nobody else is really on him. But uh, he's just he's got a big time ceiling, and if if he gets that third pitch developed and the changeup uh, or in the, the command improves a little bit, he could, he could be pretty special. Yeah. That's a pretty nice frame. And he's 21 could, could maybe advance up the rest of the uh, minor league ladder relatively quickly. You think at 21? Uh, 
I think they would have sent him to low A probably to start the year. Uh, I mean, he'll just move at at whatever pace he improves. The the Rangers have just had really really bad uh, recent history in terms of developing pitching prospects, and they've just kind of been tinkering with like how quickly to promote guys. Like I think at at one point a couple of years ago they they might have thought that they were promoting guys too quickly. And that was the reason why they weren't panning out. I don't know exactly what the reason was. I mean, a lot of it's probably just the players and not necessarily the um, process in mm-hmm. which they developed them. I mean, they might have just been ending up with the wrong players. A lot of the guys that failed for them were guys that were supposed to be pitchability guys and weren't necessarily big stuff guys. And then a lot of the guys that have had the big stuff have either broken down due to in- injuries or the, the command's just been terrible and they've had to move to the bullpen. So um, I don't think they would be overly aggressive with him just based on their, they really need some of these pitching prospects to work out. So they're going to probably do everything in their power to um, make things as easy and manageable for him as possible. But if, I mean, the, the stuff could allow him to move pretty quickly if the third pitch in the command come. Very, very nice. Yeah, so it sounds like now's the time to pounce on Ricky Venasco if he's somehow still available in your league. I need to get in one of those dynasty leagues where you can add anybody with a pulse, by the way. I, would, I just want to pick up, like, my nephew just for the hell of it and, like, <laughs> motivate me to get down there and, like, throw him BP. Well, if you – yeah, if you'd been in one of those leagues, you could have uh... – you could have added Vlad Jr. when he was like fourteen. Oh yeah, when and I saw that backyard. Yeah, um, you could have you could have just video. jumped right on the waiver wire as soon as you saw that video, and you could add. Yeah. I was the original Vlad Jr. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were uh, first. <laughs> I was first in a bad way last year, but like I was first many years ago. No, I I do fall in love with like BP videos, and that was uh, the extent of that. Uh, early love for Vlad. James, anybody else you want to mention here? I mean, this is really good stuff. Um, I mentioned like not a ton of like massive risers. I guess Ryan Jeffers is a pretty big riser. Yeah, Jeffers is super underrated. I think he is, I think he has a chance to basically just be Mitch Garver 2.0, but he's on the same org as Mitch Garver, so that's going to be tough. Um, Leover Piguero, the the headliner of the Starling Marte trade, uh, he's a shortstop from the Diamondback system. Uh, I really I, I talked to some people and kind of realized I was a bit too low on him. I mean, he doesn't have doesn't have crazy tools right now, but he's good at everything. And, and shortstops who are good at everything. And it's not like he's a zero power guy now or, or a, a zero speed guy. So he's got he's got a little bit of everything, but it's not super loud. But just the fact that he does everything well, defends, uh, good hitter, um, good instincts, I think that all bodes pretty well for him. So I moved him up into the top 125 uh, for this, this update. Very nice. And finally, Jorge Mateo's been falling. You're not completely giving up on him, but it looks like if he were to pan out, it'd probably have to be in another organization. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's there's a chance. Like, I mean, he it's it's not like he's competing with a bunch of studs for that second base job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Franklin so, Barreto and like Sheldon Noisy. It 
it's kind of it'd be kind of scary if if he couldn't make it there, right? Like if if you're only competing with those guys in Oakland, I mean, we have the usual suspects. Like he could probably beat some guys out in Baltimore and beat some guys out in Detroit. Detroit yeah, Detroit's City, always the, the go-to yeah. with him. And my right. what I envision him going there and no. being a fantasy stun. But yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's probably just as likely to provide fantasy value in the next baseball season as he is to be booted from the A's 40 man roster at some point in the next year. And so, um, options. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just the speed really. And he's had two full seasons at triple a was, was never even a league average hitter in either of those seasons. So there's plenty of reasons to be skeptical about him hitting enough to, to make that speed work. You caution you may be too high on, Jorge Mateo at one twenty three. I did load up in draft champions, the ones that I did, uh, just dirt cheap and out again out of options. So if it doesn't work in Oakland, get get that guy to Detroit and turn him yeah. loose. I'd love to see what he could do. Uh, maybe another Arsmendi Alcantara though. Wouldn't, wouldn't love that. James, any other final prospect thoughts before we move on to the hip hop draft? No, let's let's do it. So. Last week you took I took Scarface. Scarface, that's right. That's right. And then I uh You took Jizza. Yeah, the Jizza. I've been listening to that Grandmasters album. It's so good. It's it's short, but it's really good and um I need to get back into trying to play chess. I was trying to learn the ropes and uh, I know the genius is a big chess guy. I need to get back to, to playing that game. So you're up first this week. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, actually, because ugh, there are actually several options on the board. And I'm noticing a little bit of a lack of diversity on the team here. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my big board for a while yet. And because one of the other considerations I have, I know you're not going to take. I know you're not going to take E40, so I'm not going to push him back. <laughs> Your E40 shade really rubs me the wrong way, by the way. Really irks me <laughs> that you don't like E40. No, I'm kidding. But uh, So I'm going to pass on E40, and I'm going to grab the other member of Outcast. I'm going to grab Andre 3000. I what? am a Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not think. You didn't see I, that coming. Man, huh? no, I did not see that coming. Wow. No, I... I am a big boy over Andre guy, but I still do like Andre. And the song I'm choosing for this week... The Art of Storytelling Part 1, I don't think you can make a case for Big Boy in that song. I think Andre kind of runs circles around him in that song. And there are obviously cases where he outshines Big Boy. But I thought, you know, I have Big Boy. Let's just secure that whole outcast discography and collection and get Andre. Still some other good options on the board. And I have to kind of fill another dirty south spot, uh, which I don't love. But... Uh, I could move some things around and and add some other dirty South artists. So, Andre three thousand is my pick this week. Man, dude, I, I so I've been working out like a cheat sheet, and I've had I've got like some backup options at spots where I'm worried I might not end up with my guy, and I didn't even have a backup. Uh, I, I've got Lil Wayne and Scarface, and I just had Andre 3000 basically penciled in because I was like, well, Clay, Clay's a big boy guy. He's not going to take Andre 3K. I still like Andre, uh, but I 
you know, when they did that what, speaker box Love Below, mm-hmm. I was not a big fan of Andre's. I know some people really liked it, but I was, no. was kind of mean. I mean but the Outcast yeah. stuff, you know, Quemini, Stanconia, all that stuff's just legendary. Oh, man. Playlist I got Cadillac music. Got to figure out who's going to be my next Southern rapper. Well, I was able to snipe you once in this whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Um, man, I'm kind of shook after that. I, and I wasn't even going to take him this week. I, I thought I had plenty of time to take Andre 3000. Uh, but you snooze, you lose. I mean, that's on me. That's on me for yeah. counting counting my chickens there. I, mean, I took um, Big Boy like a month ago almost. <laughs> yeah, over a month ago, yeah. Oh, man. Um, and you said you're doing Art of Storytelling Part 1 for, mm. for this song? Such a good right. song and video. Though, I, did, I almost forgot because I actually dug out the CD. I did, forgot that Slick Rick's verse was not actually on the studio release. Uh, it's only in the video, but that's an absolutely epic verse. <laughs> Slick Rick's verse in that song. It's so good. Yeah. And all right, well, I'm scrambling here. I, take I, your time, take your time. well, I knew, I knew who I was going to take, and now I'm just like wondering if I am. Are there, are there any other rappers where I'm just like, well, Clay's not going to take him, and I'm, I'm going to get sniped in a week? I sent you into uh, a tornado of self doubt here. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, man. All right. Um, well, I know you. I know you weren't going to take this guy, but I think it's time for me to take him. And I'm going to put him in my Midwest spot for now, but I reserve the right to move him to a producer spot. And that's Kanye West. Um, I know that he was not on your board, but I felt like I needed to, I needed to go back to, to best, best rapper available for now off my board. Um, and I have both my Midwest spot open and my two producer spots, so I think it gives me a little bit of flexibility for later in the draft, if necessary. Uh, yeah, I, I think Kanye, I, I was like a huge Kanye guy from college dropout, like even before college dropout, I had a couple mixtapes of his. Um, and everyone, everyone loves beautiful dark twisted fantasy but i i actually i think there's like four or five albums where you could make a case it's his best album i don't really see the separation there uh, that a lot of people do but um i mean he's i haven't even listened to his last two albums because they just sound terrible uh Mm -hmm. i i think his first first five or six albums really really stand the test of time and I'm not, I'm not judging his intangibles here. I'm, I'm judging him for what he's done on the field. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I, that's what you have to do. You know, production matters and I get it. He's going to be a shaky clubhouse guy, but I think I got guys like ice cube and Scarface that'll keep him in line. Um, polarizing at least maybe not actually the troublesome, but he'll, he's going to be polarizing. He's going to be the Dennis Rodman and I'm, and I'm going <laughs> to, have uh we're gonna have to have guys like ghostface and jay-z be the the michael and scotty and keep them in line oh that's a great an uh analogy i love it uh i like that i'm not you know 
I'm not going to hate on that. I, I'm going to have to get creative at the Midwest spots. I mean, I got Cuckoo Cal. I got the Bone Thugs. Um, some other Chicago artists I'm sure I'm forgetting. Got still, got, still got Slim Shady out there. Yeah. I mean, I know there's one that, listener who's going to be mad if we don't take Slim Shady, but I, I might be take, honest. I might take him later. Yeah, I might, maybe. I guess. I might take him later. I might take him later just to uh, get more votes than you when we post the final result. <laughs> you know, I played to the crowd a couple times, too, <laughs> so I get that. Um, you know, and I did have an Eminem phase, you know, sixth, seventh grade. I even ordered his, like, Infinity album on eBay. That was after the Marshall Mathers LP came out, and I wanted to get in on the old stuff, you know, get in well, on the original Slim Shady. I can tell you, uh, so uh, my my mom's from England. Uh, I think I've maybe said that a few times. We went to England for, like, three weeks once when I was in, uh, man, that was probably seventh grade, yeah, and... Uh, Maybe that was eighth grade or ninth grade. I can't remember. But um, all I listened to for that entire three weeks was uh, Lyricist Lounge 2 and Eminem Show. I just had those two albums uh, going back and forth. The Lyricist Lounge 2 was great. And actually, maybe it was Lyricist Lounge 1, but did Eminem have a song on that? Yeah, he had, he, he had like cool a freestyle song. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a pretty cool M song on one of the Lyricist Lounge CDs, uh, but not somebody I've listened to like even in 15 years, really much at all. Uh, but maybe I have a you know unfair thing in my head. Well, it's, it's, it, people aren't going to like this, but I think he was just 10 times better when he was on a bunch of drugs and stuff than he's been since he got clean. Um, um, I know that that probably is a bad message, but I just, (laughs) I found him, I found him much more interesting, much more uh, listenable. Yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) that like parking garage freestyle he did that everybody was dunking on like a year ago. (laughs) I, that was so awful. Like, I guess he's just kind of become a caricature of himself. But he used to be cool, like when he first came on the scene. Uh, yeah. But yeah. anyway, good stuff, James. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I do have a couple picks in my back pocket, but there's one that I may have to jump up my board next week. Uh, anything else you want to get out there before we sign off? Uh, Nick Whalen and Alex Bruce and I went back and uh, rewatched the 2012 USA versus. Spain gold medal game um, features a lot of like guys like LeBron, Durant, Kobe, and guys like that. So uh, that's available on the NBA, the Roadwire NBA podcast feed. Uh, so check that out if you're into into hoops. But other than that, I'm I'm good. Nice and yeah, they will have tons of NFL draft coverage. I know John McKechnie, Mario Puig, subbing for us on SiriusXM. So they'll have you covered multiple hours each day, Friday and Saturday. Um, Sirius XM is free, so I definitely recommend checking those those two out. Those guys are both uh, really know their stuff when it comes to NFL draft and NFL prospects. James, thank you, and thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week on the RotoWire Prospect Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.